0: To Mike Seibert Radio, I am your host, and for this special bonus episode, I have a surprise special guest. Kevin Shinnick, he's an Emmy Award-winning writer, comic book creator, actor, and voice actor, and he's the author of the best-selling new novel, Star Wars Force Collector. And he is here in the Pacific Northwest for a couple of signings. He will be at Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing in Beaverton, Oregon. That's tonight, so get moving, uh, tonight, Monday, january 6th at 7 p.m uh also he will be at third place books in lake forest park in the seattle area tomorrow that's tuesday january 7th also at 7 p.m and he uh he was gracious enough to spend uh take a little bit of time out of his very busy traveling schedule um to uh, uh talk to a loudmouth podcaster that that um uh you know decided to actually you know we we're, let's wind the clocks back. Oh, first of all, uh Kevin, welcome to Mike Cybert Radio. Thank you for taking the time.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much, Mike. Thank you. I uh,
0: I I just I I was so excited that I just wanted to just jump right into things, but let's uh let's wind the clocks back for um because every podcast is somebody's first podcast and where the genesis of this was will um during our uh, rise of skywalker podcast we brought up this article from a uh, movie web and it just basically says that um headline han solo sold off uh luke's yavin for medal for uh drinking money uh for booze and and now it's canon and in the actual article because n- now that i've looked at it Um, it, it's total clickbait and it kind of just has a brief summary of what the book force collector is and, um, come to find out, uh, that's one, that article isn't entirely accurate. So we're going to talk a lot about, uh, sensationalism of, uh, and over exaggeration and perception, but then I, I take it a step further already having kind of a preconceived notion of, uh, you know what it means for Han Solo to sell off luke 's medal and i 've uh, I mentioned it in the podcast and then I also tweeted that oh well now we 're just adding aggressive alcoholism to uh, han solo 's story <laughs> like like that 's a really fun idea. you know Han was always a scoundrel, but never really like a raging alcoholic like you know just just kind of like a lot of mouth breathing uh, um, stuff and uh, Kevin, to your credit you were you were very cordial and said. Well, wait a sec. I I think you might be self-identifying here a little bit, over-identifying, uh, which is probably accurate. Uh, but then, but then also brought up the perspective of well, you don't really know what what the deal is for all you knew. Maybe uh, Chewie just had an outstanding bill for French fries, which which I thought was one hilarious and then also uh, very cordial and polite. And I. You know, in in while this while these conversations are happening, I'm doing more research about the book, and the more that I'm seeing about it, the more I was intrigued with. It. I was like, well, one, I don't think this is the way that we represented it on uh, on our podcast. Um, I think there's more to that. There, um, invited you to take a couple minutes, have your time to join us, and and now here we are talking about Force Collector. So I, I that's a lot of setup, but I thought that that would be a really Good jumping-off point with um, more or less uh, setting the record straight and talking about what this great book is and uh, and talking about it.
1: Of course, and uh, thank you for having me on. Um, as you said, we we corresponded on Twitter, and you know what I mean. Uh, civility is has kind of gone by the wayside a lot in this world, so I think the fact that we can bring this up and uh, you know and be able to converse about things. Is a great thing, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get to this and how it all relays to my book, Force Collector, but just to give um, kind of a summary of the book, in a sense, or how it came about, mm-hmm. um, you know, Star Wars is everywhere nowadays, as you know. You had a, you had a three and a half hour podcast <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> about, about one movie. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's everywhere, and I really wanted to do kind of like a Star Wars mystery, but I thought, how can you possibly do that? when we all know so much about Star Wars. And I went back to before the movie came out and the movie came out in May of 77. And I still remember being a kid, a young kid watching TV in probably March or April of 77. And these trailers started coming out. And as you know, with a lot of teasers, there were these great images that blew my mind, but I had to piece together what I thought was happening in the movie. And I really it was fun to think like and, and I've said this before but it was kind of like in my mind just from that teaser there was a guy in black he kidnapped a princess he lived in a castle in the desert and that and that castle was guarded by sand people mm-hmm. and and there was this guy who wanted to save her and he succeeded because that famous shot of of Luke and Leia swinging over the chasm I assumed was the final shot of the movie where he was succeeding and and going out the exit of the castle to what I imagine might have even been a moat, you know? (laughs) So obviously I was very wrong about a lot of things, but also right about certain things. Um, And I wanted to kind of go back and capture that excitement of not knowing where the pieces fell in the puzzle. And it dawned on me that I might be able to do, excuse me, do that with someone who lived in that galaxy, because chances are they know less about this galactic war than we do. And I've likened it to like our own history, which is, you know, you ask anybody about any one of our wars, World War II, Civil War, World War one We all know the players. We all know who won. But then something comes out like a, you know, a story of Schindler's List or Dunkirk or even Glory. And you realize, wow, there's so much I don't know that's really cool. Like there were important battles or important people or battalions that did so much that history has kind of forgotten. And it dawned on me that that's kind of where the Jedi may have been left off. Because if you think back to Order 66, Mm -hmm. Palpatine takes out all the Jedi. Now, what, 30 years go by and the good guys finally win, but nobody ever goes back and repairs the damage he did with the Jedi. There's no PR person that says, hey, you guys misunderstood this. Palpatine said they were uh, a band of people who rose up against the government. I had to take them down. So I like that there were certain people who kind of knew the history and kind of knew the story. But the more people you ask, the more people will give you different opinions. And it kind of reminded me of like Citizen Kane trying to find out what Rosebud is. Yeah. And so this kid, Carnook Sin, um, in my book is a kid. He's a teen, like 17. And he gets these massive headaches when he touches certain objects and they it's so bad, they make him pass out. But before he passes out, he usually has these visions. And what he realizes is that he can see an object's past when he touches the object. And now everybody thinks he's got like a brain tumor or something. His parents are concerned, but his grandmother thinks he, she knows what it is. She says, I think you may be force sensitive. I think you just don't know how to use it yet. And so he knows none of the Jedi. He knows nothing about the force. This is all new to him. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, now I know they're all dead. What, what do I do? Who's going to train me? And she's like, well, treat life as your master. Go out into the world and find objects the Jedi might have touched so you can find through the visions who they were, what the truth was, and what your place is in all of this. So I find it funny that a big part of this book is going out and finding what facts are. What's, what's lore? What's legend? What's myth? Um, you know, there were some people, did the Jedi exist? Were they good? Mm-hmm. Were they made up? One of the characters is like, it's awfully suspicious that this mystical army all disappear on the same day the day this the day the um the clone wars are won it's like they were made up and now they weren't needed anymore so we just decided not to talk about them so there are so many opinions and theories that this kid's got to go out and make sense of it all so i thought it was pretty funny that this article comes out that and i went to the site that you even listed the movie web mm-hmm. and what i find funny is they even put quotes around sentences where was it when i had it up it was something like he he pays for, pays for a drink in quotes I don't know what they're quoting because that's not in the book. Okay. Um, you know, I, I do refer to he pays he plays his bar tab, but, and I'm sure there was alcohol involved in that, but to, to suggest that he's, a, he's raging alcohol. <laughs> right. Um,
0: Aggressive I, I, alcoholism.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, right. not, you're not the only one who says that, though. I mean, like I said, this book came out in the UK first, right. and people jumped all over some of that. and. My feeling was, this is in keeping what we've been told, when you meet Han Solo at at the the beginning of Force Awakens, Mm -hmm. he's lost his son, he's lost his wife, he's gone back to smuggling. Clearly, we're not finding him in a good place. So it doesn't mean he reverts to alcoholism, but I'm sure times are tough. I mean, that scene he has in Force Awakens, why would a man be traveling with those creatures if he didn't need the money? You know what I mean? Why take dangerous jobs like that unless you need the money? And my feeling was, and I feel this way about the end of A New Hope, too, Han comes back not for the reward money, not for the medals, but for his friends. And that remains the same today. I really don't think that medal meant much to him. You know, he's yeah. not in it for the glory or the, the, the hardware. He's in it for, for the reason that he made friends and, he, and he's the kind of person now who goes back for a friend. He doesn't yeah. go back for the medal. So it didn't seem such a far stretch for him to be like, you know what? these things don't really mean anything. The experience is what means something to me. Mm -hmm. So now I don't want to give away what the fun twist was in the book, but, uh, but you'll see when if you read it there's another thing with the metal but that that's just my general feeling about the whole han metal thing in my book if that makes any sense
0: that makes perfect sense and you know we were speaking a little bit earlier uh before we started recording about just kind of like the 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 sensationalism and kind of like the uh the the need for clickbait and i think that that's yeah. and i think not only is that prevalent in genre fa- uh, uh genre fan- But I think specifically Star Wars fandom as well. We're we're in a in a very um, divisive times. I mean, obviously here in uh, the country as well as worldwide. uh, But but it seems that it's spilled over into our dumb space war uh fandom as well and i think <laughs> fans even even in the wake of uh the rise of Skywalker i feel like instead of like kind of like healing some of those riffs i think uh some of those those wounds are still raw but and and i find that unfortunate because you know uh works like yours like force collector kind of get kind of uh i i wonder if there's just like folks that are just mining for just like even like the mo- most minute of plot points to blow it up because I'll I'll, I'll be honest with you this uh, uh this particular book in this particular series wasn't really on my radar in terms of stuff that like you know I I think it's great that it's out there but it's not necessarily quote unquote for me being more of uh, young adult fiction and and that's fine because I think there's a there's a great thriving space for that but. It, it, it
1: is. But Mike, if I yeah, interrupt for a second, please, not, please. I'm not defending the book because I feel this way. What I find so funny is I had this story to tell. And when I talked with Lucasfilm and we figured, let's label it as a young adult book. But to be honest, I, I feel Star Wars, A New Hope is young adult. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, we were of a certain age and that story can be told, I guess, a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. But the themes and the only thing that really for a young adult is maybe sometimes the dialogue won't be so um, offensive or, you know, complicated. But story-wise, I think any story has the ability... That's why there are, um, you know, uh, The Rise of Skywalker is going to come out as a novel. Then there's The Rise of Skywalker Jr. novel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just the same story, just targeted at a, at a different audience. Um, but you're right when you say, like, I feel we're living in a time where you can't... There's no middle ground. Yeah. Like a lot of things in this world, you either have to love Star Wars or hate Star Wars. You can't be in the middle. You can't say... You know what I enjoy all these movies. I have my my concerns with them. I've got problems with all of them, and I love all of them. You know you have to like pick a camp mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of an odd place to be, but as you mentioned, that's reflecting the time we're in and it's such an odd world to live in like that because I think a, there are trolls out there, and you know what I love about this book, and it'll it'll be a benefit and a curse is. It's, as you said, it, it's not – I got a spotlight on it the way – you don't have to read this book to understand everything about you know the Rise of Skywalker, even though it is a journey to Episode Nine, mm-hmm. But what I perfe- purposely tried to do was do a, a novel or a story for the person who knows nothing about Star Wars and for the person who knows everything about Star Wars. So like I said to you before, it's an original story with yeah. original characters, and Carnook Sin is my lead, and Maze is his companion, and um, and they go on their own journey. It's an original journey. But every time Carr touches an object, we flash back to one of the movies, one of the comics, one of the animated series. So it really was kind of a celebration of this entire saga mm-hmm. as we come to a close with The Rise of Skywalker. And I think that's one of the reasons we were excited by it was the timing of it really places it in a way to celebrate this entire series of this entire saga, like I said, without, yeah. it's a perfect book to pick up at any mm-hmm. So maybe because of that, because it's not so tied into A Rise of Skywalker, it maybe hasn't gotten the spotlight as, uh, as other, other books may have. But that's what I like about it, too. You know, it's kind of its own thing.
0: Yeah. And conceptually, that's what, you know, again, it's, I, I, I like that my loud mouthed boneheadedness has kind of encouraged me to kind of look into it a little more because, again, conceptually, <laughs> it sounds really cool. And it's, it's, it, it, it it's a hard needle to thread when you're going between telling your own original story with new original characters yes. and still kind of trying to uh, walk that type of fan fiction and i think that's been absolutely and i think that's been some of the criticism of some of like the the uh previous extended universe stuff is you know maybe it gets a little uh too fan servicey at times but I, I i
1: agree you know i i went down a rabbit hole to do this book um and i loved it but at some point i had to say to myself am i writing this book for me or am mm-hmm. i writing this book for an audience mm-hmm. you know and you want to reach the widest audience possible i can talk star wars and go the deep cuts like Like anybody. All right. But but that doesn't mean I have to or I should, because you don't want to alienate people who are new to this as well. So I feel there's enough in here that makes you go like, oh, yes, I remember that. Or, oh, we never knew that much about that guy. Or I remember that. But you don't need the whole canon to understand what's happening in this in this story.
0: Awesome, and that's uh, uh, so. The book is *Journey to Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker Force Collector*. We are talking to Kevin Shinnick he is the author, as well as uh, you know, it, it, your your publicist sent over um, a, a wealth of uh, awesome uh, biographical oh information. And it, it's, um, I, and I apologize if this uh, this comes across the wrong way, but it's like I'm I'm familiar with a lot of the. World work that you've done, just not necessarily as you having done the work like i was a, I was a huge fan of robot <laughs> chicken i uh i loved uh uh the uh the mad animated series for adult swim and my uh my my uncle is a huge uh kiss fan so he ha- oh, yeah, he has funny. a copy of scooby doo and kiss rock and roll mystery and we watched it and it was <laughs> a it, it was a heck of a blast so you've uh, um you've always um uh you've been uh, quite prolific outside of of uh the world of Star Wars. So you you've done uh, yes. um all this great genre stuff. Um and then uh w- while I've got you, let's uh let's talk very briefly about your um other uh Star Wars book, uh Chewie and the Porgs. Um I yes. again that that was I think that was one I saw a cover of. Um and I'm like, uh-huh. "Oh, Chewie and, uh, and the Porgs is a kids book. That that seems cool." <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Well, it's funny. They came they came to me uh I mean As you've said, I I have done a lot of it. You know how they say, choose one thing and do it well? I kind of threw that theory out the window. Yeah. I do a a bunch (laughs) of different things. Whether I do it well or not is depending on who you ask. However, (laughs) you know what I find funny is whenever you work with IP uh, or, you know, things that everybody loves in their childhood, you're you're invariably ruining someone's childhood, you know? Um, Of course. But for whatever reason, that Scooby-Doo and Kiss movie that I wrote, it like – Hits its target. I don't know if the uh, if the bar was set so low or the expectation wasn't high, but everybody who sees that movie loves that movie, and I think it's because Kiss fans, the adults, were mm-hmm. so desperate to have their kids love Kiss
0: that yes. they were
1: l- so looking for something that would be a, a, an entry point, and Scooby Doo seemed to be it. So I do a lot of Kiss conventions as well, where people are like, "Oh, this movie brought my family together." Oh my gosh! So it's very funny too. Uh, to do all that but to what you're saying earlier i do have uh an extensive uh, career working with Lucasfilm as well mm-hmm. i um and what we talked about earlier about how i thought star wars is kind of a young adult the great thing about star wars i feel is that it it speaks to us in all different age groups and i think my work shows that like i i you know worked on the star wars the robot chicken star wars specials which are clearly adult and a little blue Mm-hmm. and um, and all that stuff. I've written the children's book, Chewing the Porgs, and then I was also one of the writers on, um, when George uh, Lucas wanted to make his own sitcom, I uh, helped write Star Wars Detours, which was an animated uh, sitcom in the Star Wars universe that unfortunately has yet to see the light of day because the timing was just a little off. Uh, sure. We just finished a whole bunch of it, and George sold the company, and at that point, I think, All roads led to Episode seven, and Disney kind of shelved it, uh, you know, because they didn't want anything coming out that was Disney until the movie. And in that moment, I think maybe Lego stepped in and kind of filled that comedic animated void. So who Mm -hmm. knows that will ever see the light of day. But, yes, I I have worked in a lot of different aspects of uh, of, of Star Wars. And when they came to me to – they said, would I be interested in writing a a Star Wars children's book? Um, I have a daughter who at that point was five. And I was like, yeah, this would be a great in point for her Mm -hmm. Um, because she was destined to like Star Wars since she's my daughter. But I know that (laughs) Darth Vader and Kylo Kylo Ren were a little intimidating. So I thought if I could introduce her to the softer aspects with Chewie and the Porgs, that might be a a good way to do it. But I said to them, I'd love to do this, but will you consider me for novels as well? And they were like, absolutely. And so that's how Force Collector came about.
0: Gotcha. So was so Force Collector is part of this uh, uh, journey to Force Awakens kind of series. Was that was that the intention the whole time?
1: Journey towards the rise of Skywalker.
0: Oh, sorry. Yes.
1: No, it's fine. Um, you know, the story it the answer is yes and no. In some ways, I had this story and I was I wanted to tell it. And the more we talked about it, we thought there was a lot we can do that would, you know, fuel or or head to episode nine. But it takes place a few years before Force Awakens mm-hmm. because it was important time-wise for Carr to come up against his challenges in a time where there were no known Jedi in the galaxy. And that was a time when Luke had cut himself off from the Force, Ray had not emerged yet, so it was important to happen there. Um, that doesn't mean you can't read it in terms of where it falls with Rise of Skywalker, because like I said before, it's kind of a celebration of the entire saga, Um, And if you do read it, a lot of people have tweeted to me and said to me in person that um, it makes them see all the movies through a different light, which it makes me incredibly happy to think that I was able to put a little bit of my mark on uh, a franchise and a story that has been so good to me over the years that I've loved. Um, So, yeah, that's where it lies. Like I said, it is a, is a, a, a journey to episode nine. It takes place a little bit before Force Awakens, but it celebrates the entire saga.
0: I love it. Very good. Um, Kevin Shinnick, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about Force Collector with us. Uh, and, uh, of you course. Can- can uh, you can see uh, Kevin in person Monday January 6th at 7pm at Powell's Books at Cedars Crossing uh, that's in the that's Portland tonight. that is tonight so my Portland friends if you're listening to this right now uh, you know re- resort your evening plans and get out and uh, see Kevin because he's, uh, he's a great guy and uh, took some time to uh, uh, chat with me to set me straight on a few things and I really appreciate <laughs> that opportunity as well and then you can also see him Tuesday. Uh, that is going to be uh, January the 7th. That is going to be at Third Place Books in Lake Forest Park uh, for my Seattle friends. Um, do you have any other uh, engagements coming up or is it just these two in the... Um That's as
1: far as we've gotten. Um, we're going to schedule some more in the near future. So I, um, you could find me Uh, on Twitter at Kevin Shinnick and on Instagram at Kevin Shinnick. And I also have kevinshinnick.com, which is where I I list a lot of my appearances. So um, whenever I know something there, I will pop it onto the website or like I said, in one one form or another of social media.
0: Wonderful. Very good. And very last question as we, as we close out here, um, what advice would you have for folks that want to pursue their own artistic interests?
1: You know, it's, It's simple and complicated all at once, but it's do what you feel is in you and you want to do. Because I know a lot of writers who want to be writers, but then don't write. They're waiting for the opportunity to write. And that goes no matter what career you're following, if you want to be an actor, a director, a producer, a writer. I mean, it goes beyond the arts, but that's my field. And if you want to be a writer, you need to write. And I'm not talking, you know, one one thing that I noticed, which was an eye-opener to me, was, You don't have, sometimes it's intimidating to sit down and think, all right, well, I got to write a novel or I got to write a feature film. You know, start small. I've gotten a lot of work early in my career off of sketches, off of short films, Mm. off of uh, one act plays. People need to get your flavor because that's what you have to offer. Whatever you have to offer is different from the next guy or gal. And so my advice is if you want to write, then write, do something because at some point, someone's going to discover you and say, what do you have? And you need to have a well of things that you can share with them. And The same goes for acting. If you want to act, you know, we're living in a time, you can put anything on YouTube, you can get together with friends, you can make your own films with your iPhone. There is no excuse not to have a body of work, no matter how old you are, uh, young or old. And just like you said, wait, wait for that opportunity to sure. strike. Cause it will, it will. If you, as long as you start telling people that's what you do, don't say, I'm trying to be a writer. Say, I'm a writer. Don't say, I'm trying to be an actor. Say, I'm an actor. And just be prepared for when they call you up and say, all right, well, what do you got? That's I love it.
0: I love it. Don't be afraid of greatness. That that That's good stuff. Exactly. Well, Kevin, exactly. thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Enjoy your time here in the Pacific Northwest, and we'll chat Thanks, again, man. okay? We
1: will. Take care.
0: And again, you can see Kevin in person tonight, Monday, January 6th at 7 p.m. at Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing in Beaverton, as well as tomorrow, Tuesday, at Third Place Books in Lake Forest Park. That's going to be Tuesday, January 7th at 7 p.m. And I'm personally taking this as a lesson to, you know what? Maybe try not to be so provocative on the internet. It's, uh, it's, not a, it's not a good color on me, and I'm not especially good at it. And, you know, one of the tenets of journalism is, you know, kind of like trust but verify and confirm multiple sources. And I feel like this is kind of an object lesson of, you know, when, when you see something sensationalized in an article, you know, maybe see if it's corroborated a couple other times before you start poking fun at it on a, on a podcast with your knucklehead friends. Um, And with that, that will do it for this special bonus episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to listen to our past shows, subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Let me know what you think. Mike Seibert Radio is produced by Dave Sanders. For my guest, Kevin Shinnick, my name is Mike. And until next time. Make good choices.
1: You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at Radio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production.